Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for NFL Week 17. And it's a tricky slate because there's a bunch of teams with nothing to play for. There's some teams with everything to play for. And then there's some, and there's teams with nothing to play for for different reasons. There's teams with nothing to play for because they've been eliminated from the playoffs. And there's teams with nothing to play for because they're already locked into their playoff spot. And some of those teams are resting all of their players. Some are resting none of their players. So we're going to go through all these scenarios and try to figure out who's in play. But it's, it's a tricky week and also 16 games. There's just a ton of choices. Yeah, and don't forget about the teams that are starting their starters in the first half but might be resting their starters in the second half. There's, there's a lot going on. Yeah, those also because there's going to be some teams who, like the Steelers are a team who the game matters for them unless the Patriots win. So they've talked about maybe starting, maybe sitting guys in the second half. If the Patriots are up by a lot against the Jets, which is very possible, but we'll go through all those scenarios as we get to the games. So first off is the Packers playing against the Detroit Lions, and this game doesn't matter to either team, but with that said, both teams still expected to play their starters. So I think the one guy who makes the most sense from this game is Jamal Williams at 6,200. We have Aaron Jones is doubtful again at 4,000. So we saw Jamal Williams just a few weeks ago, and Brett Hundley was the quarterback. They don't like to throw with him because he's not good at football. He's not good at throwing the football. So they tend to run the ball a lot. Jamal Williams had some massive games with Hundley as the quarterback. And Aaron Jones out again, so it's going to be all Jamal Williams. So Williams was as expensive as 6500 two weeks ago, now all the way down to 5200 in a pretty favorable matchup against the Lions, who are, let's see... DVOA, the Lions are 30th against the run. So I think that the one guy to target here is Jamal Williams. And then uh, that's probably it for me. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, I definitely like Jamal Williams a lot. There is one other guy that could potentially be a good value play for the Packers, even though Rodgers is out. Uh, Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson are both dealing with injuries, and I don't think either has practiced yet this week. So if Randall Cobb is the only usual receiver that's playing he probably will get a really large percentage of the targets and he's only at 4700 uh he's more of a ppr guy catches short passes anyway so uh he should do fine even with hunley obviously he'd be better off with rogers at quarterback but he's cheap enough where i think you can still use him at that price and if you wanted to stack the game then using cobb with williams and then with stafford and marvin jones and golden tate who are all pretty cheap also Kenny Galladay has been playing more snaps lately. He's only at 3,300. So I think all of those guys are in play. I wouldn't use Hunley, but I think I'd use Cobb just independently or with the Lions guys. All right, so next game, the Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Both teams with nothing to play for. Neither one of these teams have anything to play for for a while now. For the Colts, they basically haven't had anything to play for since Andrew Luck got hurt, which was like eight months ago or something. So the the Texans' defense has been one that we've liked to target a decent amount recently. But still, I just think there's better spots. Like Jacoby Brissett and T.Y. Hilton are actually kind of expensive for them here. 5500 for Brissett, 5900 for T.Y. Hilton. From the Texans' side of the game, just Yates has been so bad. Uh, Hopkins has been really good even with whoever is playing a quarterback for him but still 8400 for Hopkins I think is a bit too expensive for him and I think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game 
Um, I actually don't think it's too much for T.Y. Hilton. There was a point this year where he was priced in he was priced in the six thousands. He actually hit seventy seven hundred one week. Uh, the issue for him is that the last four matchups have been really difficult matchups. Um, in week thirteen, he was in Jacksonville. Then he was in Buffalo in a game that was snowing, so there was just no chance of passing in that game. He only got four targets, and I think those were maybe all of the passes that were set through the whole game. Uh, then he faced Denver, which was a tough matchup. And then in Baltimore last week, he had 19 fantasy points. He caught six passes on 12 targets for 100 yards. So I think the reason Hilton's been worse lately is just because he's faced really difficult defenses and he had that one terrible weather game. Uh, I think Brissett might be a little bit pricey, but I like the value on Hilton a little bit. On the Houston side, though, I agree with you. Hopkins is way priced up. Um, Lamar Miller and Alfred uh, Alfred Blue, I think, were splitting carries last week. So it kind of makes the running back situation tough to use. Uh, but I, I think I would use T.Y. Hilton, even if he is the only player to look at from this game. Yeah, I think that does make some sense. Um, I just think like the 5,900, I, I guess it's to say it's too much is probably unfair. But I think that it's more along the lines of there's just going to be so many good value plays on the slate that I think it's just going to set up to be stars and scrubs. And I think that I'd probably rather pay up for guys and be in the mid-tier. Um, but, no, I think I think you made a good point. Uh, I think Hilton is usable. So next game here we have the Bears at the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings, this game does matter for them. They're playing for uh, – what are they playing for, Matt? They're playing for seeding, right? The Vikings? Yes. Yeah, so the Vikings basically are in the two-seed. They would need a lot to go wrong to not get the two-seed. They need, well, if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're still the two seed unless there's three other teams that all have to win their games for the Vikings to end up moving down from the two to the three seed. So if the Panthers beat the Falcons, the 49ers beat the Rams, and the Saints beat the Buccaneers, all in addition to the Vikings losing to Chicago at home, then they move down from the two to the three seed. So because they still could technically end up as number three, they're going to start the game with their starters. But I think it's pretty reasonable to think that at halftime, they'll check the scores of those other games, see that one probably isn't that close. Um, not sure which game it would be. I don't think there's any blowouts that should be expected in any of those other three games. But there are three games that it could possibly happen. So more likely than not, one of them might be starting to get out of hand. And then the Vikings could end up resting some of their starters in the second half. Maybe they wait till the start of the fourth quarter to do it. Um, so they have something to play for, but it's not a lot to play for. And it's not the greatest matchup in the world anyway. Chicago's defense is kind of decent. So I think there's good reason to just be off Minnesota, even though there probably is some upside there. It's just the circumstances aren't great for using their players. Yeah, it's hard for me to figure out which guys I'd want to use anyway. Uh, obviously, Adam Thielen's been really good this year at 7,600. But then still, like the running backs, uh, I'd rather not target a timeshare when we have 16 games on the slate. So I, I don't really think any of them further value anyway are great plays. I would say the Vikings' defense is in play, but 3,900, they're the second most expensive defense on the slate. And even though the Bears' offense has been really bad, they've, they haven't really produced a ton of fantasy points for opposing defenses just because they run the ball with Jordan Howard a lot and they try to limit the amount of passes that Trubisky throws because young quarterback, rookie season, and he just really hasn't been great while they played and they've tried to protect him a little bit. So I think for 3,900, I think we could do better at defense. Yeah, so I think so, next, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll agree with you agreeing with me, <laughs> agreeing with you agreeing with me. Of course. So, so the next one we have here is the Patriots at the Jets. If the Patriots win, they get the number one seed. And the only way they get knocked off, I think, is if they lose and the Steelers win their game. So the Patriots, the running back situation, it uh, looks like we've got Burkhead and James White are questionable again. If they're both out, I think this is another good spot to pay up for Deion Lewis. He got almost all of the snaps last week, and he was really good. So he would be in play. And then we have Gronk, Brady, uh, I'm guessing Chris Hogan looks like he probably won't play, even though he's listed as questionable. So the one thing that I think is a little interesting here is I know that Gronk has a couple of incentives in his contract where he gets a bonus if he gets, I think it's at least like nine catches or if he gets like 116 yards. Or the other thing also is that Gronk has 69 receptions so far this year, so maybe he just doesn't want to play at all so he could end on 69 receptions because, nice, that's the perfect total his favorite for Gronk number. to finish with. Receiving. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so I, I think I, I think Brady, Deion Lewis, and Gronk are all usable. Uh, but then I also think there's a pretty good chance. If the Patriots are up by a ton of points, I know that generally they're a team who doesn't mind running up the score, but I, I think that this is a situation where we could see them rest guys in the second half. So I wouldn't be too high on the Patriots. Yeah, Deion Lewis is probably the most obvious pick for the Patriots, but he could end up getting rested in the second half, like you said. The rest of the Patriots running backs, I think, are all hurt now. So James White and Rex Burke had missed last week. Uh, Mike Gillisley played a little bit. He had six carries for 28 yards. He got a touchdown. He was playing around the goal line, and he was playing in the fourth quarter. So he would probably be a good play, too, but he also was injured now. Uh, he missed practice on Wednesday. Um, he has a knee injury. So then we probably have to look even further down the depth chart. Um, it might be a little foolish to reach here because there probably will be other cheap running backs. But Brandon Bolden, I think, is the next guy in line for New England. And he's at yeah, mid-price. Uh, so maybe he's the guy. For me, it's still just Deion Lewis, though. Just because uh, like Deion Lewis played, it was like... 52 of 60 snaps last week then like Gillisley played like six and Bolden played like two snaps last week but I think it is fairly likely that Bolden ends up playing the entire fourth quarter or maybe more than that if Burkhead and White and and um and Gillisley are all out so if that's the situation where Bolden's the direct backup I think I would use him because he is min price he wouldn't have to do too much to pay off value and there could be a lot of upside if he's playing the whole second half in a blowout uh, this game probably is the most likely blowout of the week with the Patriots as 16-point favorites against the Jets. Uh, I think it's we can almost definitely expect them to be winning the second half of the game. So maybe Lewis ends up resting towards the end, and then Bolden gets a lot of extra carries. Um, so he's at least someone I'm considering, but it is contingent on the other uh, the other running backs all being ruled out. Fair enough. Next game on the slate, and I think this one's just going to be a fade. The Redskins at the Giants. Uh, maybe you could use the Redskins defense, but the Giants, they're committed to playing Eli Manning at quarterback this game. They said he's going to play the entire game, all four quarters. And then we have Sterling Shepard is questionable. Roger Lewis is questionable. Tavares King is questionable. And Evan Ingram <laughs> is questionable. Eli Manning might have nobody to throw to. He hasn't been good when he has people to throw to. So... I think if you're going to roster anybody from this game, probably the Redskins defense makes the most sense. Yeah, I was looking at the Giants defense too, but they're banged up on that side of the ball also. Landon Collins was ruled out for the season. They, the Giants have no players anywhere, and this game has the lowest total, I think, of any game the entire year at 37.5. This is, this is a really bad football game. I guess if all of those Giants receivers 
you mentioned are out. Maybe Travis Rudolph at mid-price ends up being the Giants' number one receiver, and then you'd almost have to use him if he's going to get 10 targets or something at mid-price. Maybe he only catches like two or three of them because Eli's bad, and I don't know. There's just so many backups playing. Uh, So we'll have to see what's going on with that receiver situation. Uh, If Evan Ingram's like the only guy active or Shepard's the only guy active, I think they're usable. But for the most part, this is just a really bad game. And I do agree with you on the Redskins defense. All right. So next game, we have the Browns at the Steelers. So something that we kind of touched on a little bit at the top is, well, the the Browns are playing to not go 0-16. The Steelers are kind of playing for the one seed, but they're almost definitely not going to get it. The Steelers have to beat the Browns, and they need the Patriots as 16-and-a-half-point favorites to lose to the Jets. So what supposedly the Steelers are going to do is they're going to play the starters in the first half, and they're going to go into the locker room at halftime. They're going to check the score of the Patriots game, and if the Patriots game is really one-sided, then the starters are not going to play in the second half. Yeah, so, I think with that yeah, being the case, Ben Roethlisberger, 7,000, Le'Veon Bell at 10,000, then we have Juju Smith-Schuster up to 7,300, Martavis Bryant at 6,200. That's just way too expensive for guys. It seems like there's a decent chance they're only going to play half of football. Yeah, I was just checking the weather to see if there's an even further downgrade. I think the weather is supposed to be fine, though. Uh, the temperatures look like they'll be below 20, but not much wind. I guess that's sort of a downgrade, but like you said, the big issue here is the cost. I think even if we didn't have the issue of the Steelers potentially resting players in the second half, I think I'd be off this game anyway. Le'Veon Bell could be pretty popular as one of the only running backs that you can reliably pay up for, but it's not that reliable. And 10000 is just, it's a crazy price. Uh, and the Browns, as we've mentioned in previous weeks, are actually good as a run defense. They're third in run defense DVOA. They've fallen off from their previous number one ranking. But number three, still very good on run defense. Uh, it's not a great matchup for Bell. And it's it's a downgrade to the offense as a whole, obviously, with Antonio Brown out. And Smith-Schuster is almost priced at what Brown had been priced at. Uh, it's kind of just, it's too expensive. I don't think you can really use their side of the game, but... If the Steelers are resting defensive players in the second half, then the Browns could become pretty interesting. I think I was higher on them when I was looking at it a couple days ago, but with the weather concerns, maybe it's not the best spot. Although they are all really cheap. Yeah, I'm just looking where the Browns now. The Browns defense hasn't even been that bad this year overall. They're bad against the pass, but I mean, 16th overall in ZVOA, 29th against the pass, 3rd against the run. It's kind of crazy that you could have a middle-of-the-road defense and just have not won a single game all year. But credit to just how bad their coaching staff is. Apparently they haven't had an offensive coordinator this year, which I thought was an interesting thing that I read on Twitter. So I'm not like 100% sure it's true, except I did see that the Browns were going to look into hiring an offensive coordinator last year. So maybe I should have done a little more research on that. But if that's true, they just don't have an offensive coordinator this year. Good for them. That's uh, that's This that's year cool. or this week? Because it does seem like they haven't had one all year. Yeah, no, this year they haven't had one. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that is very strange for sure. But I still think you could consider Deshaun Kaiser at 4,400. Um, actually, I think Duke Johnson might miss the week. So if he does, then Isaiah Crowell is probably usable at 3,900. And then Josh Gordon is cheaper than he's been the last few weeks, 5,800. And Corey Coleman's down to 3,800. So maybe those are the guys to consider if you're kind of playing for the Steelers to have backups in in the second half. Also, the Browns' defense at 2,000. Maybe they get some. Maybe they get some chances against. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't use backups. the Browns' defense. Although you you uh, 
you did say the same thing when I recommended or at least suggested the 49ers defense last week at min price, and they did fine. They did defensive touchdown. I think that is true. If you're playing, I, like uh, the, I think the 49ers defense is decent to use this week, though. Yeah, but the Browns defense is actually probably better. Well, it's definitely better than the 49ers defense. So if you are playing for that scenario where the Steelers don't do much and they have backups in, in the second half because the Patriots are up by a lot, then I think the Browns defense could do well against the Steelers' second string. Yeah, I would just still be concerned about them giving up a bunch of points in the first half. Yeah, that's definitely a concern for Cleveland, <laughs> although they have been a much better first-half team than second-half team this year. They seem to start well and then just implode in the second half of the game. So maybe if they can start strong and then the Steelers take out all their starters, they never have that implosion like they usually do. And uh, the line movement does favor them. It's probably just because the Steelers might end up resting guys. But they opened as 14-point underdogs, and now they're only 11-point underdogs. So... It's at wow. least a helpful indicator that the sharp money likes them, but they are still 11 point underdogs. So it's not like they're supposed to keep the game close. All right. So Panthers and Falcons, uh, this is a game that actually matters for both teams. So this should be one of the more fun games to watch and pretty competitive, at least in theory from the Panther side of the game. I think Cam Newton's in play. He's been good. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I think is a good play in this game. The Falcons, believe going back to last year, have given up more receiving yards to running backs than any other team in the league. And the one thing that Christian McCaffrey does really well is catch the ball out of the backfield. So I think that he's a fine play. Uh, Greg Olson at 5,600. I think he's okay. Obviously a bit more expensive than he's been recently, though. Then from the Falcons side of the game, I think Matt Schaub is a fine play. I think that Julio Jones is a decent play. I think Mohamed Sanu is a fine play, just because, as we've talked about before, even though the Panthers do overall have a good defense, they give up a lot of fantasy points and a lot of yards to wide receivers, and they're just kind of good at every other aspect. Yeah, I think Julio Jones probably is one of the best receivers to pay up for because of that, and we at least know that this game should be competitive just because both teams very much need to win it. So yeah, it's it's a stackable game for sure. I think it'll be one of the higher-owned games just because it's a game that people care about for playoff purposes and there's no real risk of backups coming in at any point but Matt Ryan is pretty cheap and Julio Jones at 8200 it might be a fair price but there's a lot of upside I think it's an underrated matchup for him and then I like McCaffrey too yeah there there are a lot of players that are in pretty good spots here yeah and then the other thing too is just you have to spend up somewhere so I I think that looking at kind of how the slate breaks up I think of any expensive player, running back or wide receiver, Julio Jones probably makes the most sense in terms of somebody who we're confident is going to play the whole game. The game matters for his team and has a good matchup. Yeah, there, there are not a lot of guys on this slate that fit the description that you just, you just gave. Uh, Julio is one of, I don't know, maybe a handful of them. All right, so next game is the Bengals at the Ravens. This game means nothing for the Bengals. It does matter for the Ravens. So for... The Ravens' side of the game, it's hard to figure out the running back situation. Collins lost some snaps last week to both Buck Allen and Danny Woodhead, so I think that I'm probably just off that situation as a whole. Something else to keep an eye on is for the Bengals' defense, they have had a bunch of guys who've just been injured, and there have been some weeks where they've just played a ton of backups, so we'll see how that shapes up for this week as more injury reports come out. And then from the Ravens' side then, well, those guys have gotten more expensive. So Joe Flacco is up to fifty seven hundred. So is Mike Wallace. Jeremy Macklin at forty four hundred. It's just not a good offense from the Bengals side of the game. Uh, maybe some interest in AJ Green just because he's only down at sixty three hundred. 
but overall, I expect this to be a pretty low-scoring game. Yeah, I, I actually like A.J. Green a lot because the Ravens, by their pass defense metrics and just overall defensive metrics, look really good on paper. But since Jimmy Smith got hurt, they've been pretty beatable. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, we mentioned before, had a good game in Baltimore, in a bad weather game too, actually, did well against the Ravens' secondary. Um, there was a pretty big game by the Lions in the second half of the game that Smith got injured. And I think there was one more in between where the Ravens' defense kind of struggled. So they haven't played that well against wide receivers since Smith got hurt. And A.J. Green at 6,300 is so much cheaper than he's been at any point this year. Uh, he was 6,700 and 6,500 actually the last two weeks. Uh, so he's a little cheaper than those numbers, but he played pretty well last week. He had 10 targets, caught six passes for 81 yards, and he's had a bunch of pretty difficult matchups in a row. Uh, he was in Minnesota before that, played the Bears, who were decent on defense, and that was a bad weather game, so that bumped him down a lot, and he did really well against the Steelers the week before that. So Green has been pretty reliable, and I think he could be low-owned because people will just look at this matchup in Baltimore. The Bengals have nothing to play for and just assume he won't do anything. But with Smith out, it's not that hard of a matchup. And I, alt I also think that any concern about Dalton or McCarron, uh, that McCarron replaces Dalton, while that is a concern for if you're using one of them, I don't think it really matters for Green. I think those guys are pretty equal quarterbacks. McCarron has more of a track record than most backups in the NFL. So Green should be fine either way. I think it's a pretty good spot for him. Uh, but yeah, for the Ravens running back situation, that might just be a fade because the Bengals have gotten a little healthier on defense and it's just hard to figure out the touches. So the next game on the slate, the Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins and who would have figured that the Dolphins, I mean, not the Dolphins, the Bills have a very outside chance of making the playoffs, but they are in the hunt. It's funny, actually, the biggest reason that, that they're not in it is had they won that game a few weeks ago against the Chargers where they started Peterman over Taylor, really for no good reason at all, had they won that game, they would have a pretty good chance at making the playoffs right now. But obviously they started Peterman, five interceptions and a fumble in the first half, and kind of cost them their season. And I, I think that that's, I, I think that's good karmic justice, really, because the only reason they didn't start Tyrod Taylor was because they didn't want to pay him at that point in time. And I think there was some situation where they could have gotten out of paying him a bonus or something like that if they didn't start him for the rest of the season. So look what happened. They tried to be cheap and save a couple million dollars, and they probably would have made that money back and then some had they gone to the playoffs. So from the Bills' side of the game, since they are playing for something, I do think Tyrod Taylor makes sense. I think LaShawn McCoy is fine to pay up for it, 8000 uh, The receivers are pretty tough to figure out. Uh, was Calvin Benjamin decent last week? Yeah, and he also had that touchdown overturned, that controversial play. I didn't actually see it, but there. Uh, I guess some people would argue that you should just add a touchdown to Kelvin Benjamin's stats from last week. But he did have five catches for 70 yards either way. Yeah, so if we had the touchdown on, that's a really good game <laughs> for him. And he's also he's only 4,300. So I think in a plus matchup against Miami, I think that he's fine to use. From the Dolphins side of the game, I think that Kenyon Drake's a fine play at 7,200. I know that's way more expensive than what he's been, but I, I still think Drake is just really good. They've been using him a ton, and the Bills' run defense has just been abysmal since they got rid of Marcel Darius. Yeah, the Bills' run defense is all the way down at 30th in DVOA now. I think there was a point in the year before they traded Darius where they were in the top half of the NFL in run defense. He's I think they were top five. Yeah, he's a really important player. Um, when we get to Jacksonville, obviously we'll have to mention him, but yeah, this is a 
for whatever the reason, I'm sure it's mostly Darius, but they're a, they're a very bad run defense now, so it's a really good matchup for Drake. Um, I'm not at all concerned about the Dolphins resting anyone, even though the game doesn't matter, because with their division rival potentially making the playoffs, I think most division opponents uh, will at least try to play the role of spoiler and not rest guys for no reason. So I, I think we can expect the Dolphins guys to play the whole game. Uh, for Just because it's a game where starters will be in then, it's a stackable game. Uh, it actually has one of the higher totals at 42.5 because most games just have ridiculously low totals this week. And the players aren't that expensive on either side. Tyrod Taylor's cheap. Uh, LaShawn McCoy also I think is worth paying up for. He's more expensive than Drake, but it's maybe just as good or a similar matchup at least. Uh, so both running backs I like a lot. And then the Dolphins receivers have gotten a little cheaper. Jarvis Landry at 6200 I think that's his lowest price point of the season. Um, he's been around that number a few times, but he's just so reliable as someone who gets a ton of targets every week. And then Devontae Parker, who is dealing with an injury, has kind of gotten back in more of a role in the offense. There was a while where he just wasn't getting a lot of targets, but he's actually had 22 targets over the last two games. So Parker at 4,400, I think that could be the strongest value at wide receiver in this game. Yeah, I think he's fine to use. And yeah, like you said, more targets recently. Let me bring up his, yeah, last couple games, 10 targets, 12 targets. So 22 good targets over the last two games. I, I think that he's fine to use. And then, like you said, even though the Dolphins don't have anything to play for, it, it is still one of those kind of weird division spots where it probably matters for them to say that, hey, we're playing for pride. We're going to try to keep the Bills out of the playoffs. So I'll buy into that as a narrative. The next game on the slate, the Saints at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are not playing for anything. The Saints are playing for playoff seeding. Right? Is that uh? Are they playing for the division? Yeah, the Saints are actually playing for a whole bunch of scenarios. They, I think they do need to win to win the division. Uh, let's see. Th this one's important, so let me just make sure we have this one right. This is a biggie. Yeah, the Saints can still win the division even if they lose. Um, they can't get a bye. I think they're out of the race for a bye. But if they win. They're the number three seed. Uh, although I think if they win and the Rams win, they're the number four seed. And then if they lose and the Falcons beat the Panthers, they move down to number four. But if they lose and the Panthers beat the Falcons, they actually move down to number five. So they would lose the division and have to play a road game in the first round. So that's kind of what they're playing for. I don't think most teams really care if they're going to be number three or number four. But losing home field in the first round matters to them. So I would think... Maybe the motivation isn't fully there, but the starters should at least play in this game, and it is a good matchup. So I think we can use the New Orleans side, but this kind of the same situation as the Dolphins. I think the Buccaneers will be looking to play the role of spoiler. They can't knock the Saints out of the playoffs, but they can knock them out of the division title. And Tampa hasn't really had anything to play for in weeks anyway, so there's no reason why they would change it up this week and not use their starting players. Uh, it is a harder matchup, but... The game is in Tampa, and actually something we should have mentioned with the Dolphins-Bills game. At this point in the season, it's a big plus to have a good weather game. So Miami and Buffalo playing in Miami, and then Tampa and New Orleans playing in Tampa. We don't have to worry about weather for either of those games. And this Tampa-New Orleans game has a 50-and-a-half total, which is by far the highest of any game this week. Yeah, so from the Saints side of the game, it's hard for me to figure out who to target because... The Buccaneers' defense is very bad against the pass, 
But from the New Orleans offense, their passing game, uh, I think Drew Brees is fine to roster. I'm probably more inclined, I guess, to use him with Ted Ginn. Michael Thomas played last week, but he was dealing with a hamstring injury and only played 62% of the snaps, which is the least amount of uh, playing time he's gotten the entire season. So he's only been practicing limited, and it seems like the hamstring is still an issue for him. So I'm not really that comfortable paying up 7700 for him if he's only going to be playing about half the team snaps. So I think that Ted Ginn at 5100 makes some sense here with Drew Brees. And then Kamara and Ingram, I, I think, are both fine. They're 79, 7500 There's other guys that I'd prefer to pay up for who we've already talked about. Yeah, I think the value on Kamara and Ingram is kind of just fair. I think this is the first week in a while where we would consider them usable. I think they've just been an auto-fade for at least six weeks now. Maybe maybe actually the entire season. I, I can't remember rostering either of them at any point this year. I don't, I don't know if you can. I w- well, I was using Kamara a lot before his price went up. Yeah, I guess he was in the 5,000s early. He was, he was mid-priced at one point. Yeah, let's see. I roster I roster him in min price. He was min price in weeks one and two. So yeah, there you go. It's crazy how much his price has gone up. Uh, he reached the six thousand mark in week eight. Uh, he reached the eight thousand mark a couple weeks ago. He's been over eight thousand for four consecutive weeks now, but this week he's back under that number at seventy nine hundred. So a little bit of a price dip in a good matchup. Maybe he's usable again. Um. With it, if, if I could go back in time, I would have rostered Kamara more when he was expensive. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's been good for his price, actually way more than good for his price in almost every week of this season. If you rostered him even when he was expensive, you probably did well there anyway. Um, would, do you have any interest in Mike Evans this week? I know it's a hard matchup, but they are at home. Uh, the Bucks probably, game script will probably favor them throwing the ball, so... Even in a hard matchup, Mike Evans at seventy two hundred just seems like a little bit of a cheap price tag for him. Uh, still a no for me. He's going to be covered by Marcus Lattimore, who's just ridiculous. Yeah, I guess uh, the better Bucks area for their passing game to target would be their third and fourth receivers, because if Deshaun Jackson is out, and then I think Chris Godwin has missed a practice already this week too, then maybe Adam Humphreys becomes the guy to use at thirty four hundred if he's starting. Uh, opposite Mike Evans. I would use Humphreys at 3,400 or uh, Cameron Braid at 3,300, also dealing with an injury. Uh, he has a hip and a knee injury, but whoever starts outside of Evans, I think all those guys are cheap, so I think some of them could be usable. Yeah, let me see. I think Deshaun Jackson's expected to play this week. Well, Jackson himself could be a good play then, too, because he o- he's only priced at 4,200, so he's actually not that much more expensive than the other uh the other yeah, alternate I think, options. I, th- I think Jackson could be in play. Um, I still wouldn't go too crazy. The Saints still have a really good pass defense. They are, uh, what are they on the year? They are fifth in, the, in DVOA against the pass. So I would say if, if Jackson's out, then I think Godwin makes sense. If Jackson starts, I think that he's usable, but I don't think either of them would be like super strong plays. Yeah, I'll just mention, though, that the Saints' pass defense has fallen off a little bit. I think they were ranked number one against the pass at about the midpoint of the season. They're down to number five now, and by position, they're ninth against number ones. They're 15th against number twos. Uh, they're really good against other receivers, and they're fifth against tight ends. They're average against running backs out of the backfield. But across the board, there are some beatable areas. It's not like they've been – they haven't been quite as unstoppable as they were at the beginning of the season. I would wonder, though, how much is that? How much of that is due to Lattimore was hurt for a little bit. 
and then they just had other they had other defensive players who were out and now they're healthier again. Yeah, I think to some degree that would be the cause, but the the area that still would make sense to exploit anyway is the number two or three guys because Lattimore is the clear cut best corner on the Saints. So if it's Deshaun Jackson as the number two receiver or anyone else, I think that would be the spot to target anyway. All right, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans. The Jaguars have zero to play for, but with that said, they are opting to play all of their starters this week. Uh, They're expected to play the entire game. They say they think it's important for them to keep the repetition and the reps up, so we're expecting everybody to be going full for them. The Titans are playing for a playoff spot. If they win, they're in the playoffs, and then I think if they lose, they're probably out. DeMarco Murray has a torn MCL, but he says that he's going to play. Um, the Titans aren't going to rule him out. So the official injury designation for him is questionable. I think he's slightly more likely to play than not play, but even if he does play, there's no way to expect him to be effective. I think Derrick Henry is a much better running back anyway. So at 5,500, if we find out that Murray's either limited or if he does end up being ruled out, I think Henry makes a lot of sense as a running back play. So I'm just checking if the Titans can lose and still make the playoffs. And it looks like they can, but they would need a lot of help. I won't go into all the details, but they they essentially need to win. Uh, I also don't really buy Murray being a relevant factor in the offense this week. I think that he says he'll play means something. I think he'll be active for sure, but torn MCLs are pretty serious injuries. So I'd expect at the very least, Derrick Henry gets most of the carries. I think he'll probably get close to all of the carries. And like you said, he is a better running back. I think he's averaging almost a yard per carry more than Murray this year. Uh, at 5,500, if he's getting, let's say, 90% of the snaps at running back, I think there is a lot of value there. In Jacksonville's run defense, they do have Marcel Darius now, but they haven't been that good. I think the Darius trade has negatively impacted the Bills a lot more than it's positively impacted the Jaguars. Uh, so I don't think it's a hard matchup for Henry, and he's at home. I wouldn't use really much else for the Titans, even though there is some chance Jacksonville could pull their starters at some point in the game. So from the Titans side, I think it's just Henry. And then I don't really have much interest in Jacksonville's offense this week. Yeah, I think uh, I just I really don't buy. I mean, I know they're saying I find it so hard to believe that Jaguars are just going to play their starters the entire game. I think that maybe they do for most of the game. We'll see. I guess I guess we just have to take the coach at his word that he's going to play them all game, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and even if they do, I don't think they're really usable anyway. I mean, 6,500 on the road for Blake Bortles in, let's call it a neutral matchup. The Titans are 28th. They are 28th against the pass, but they're 7th against the run. So they're a below average defense overall, but not. they're not one of the worst defenses in football or anything. And Jacksonville doesn't have the benefit of home field advantage. So, I don't know. Could be a slight plus matchup for Bortles. 6,500 is way too much to pay for him there. Uh, The Jaguars' passing offense has done well recently, but they've also played against some terrible defenses. And Keenan Cole's priced up to 5,700. D.D. Westbrook's at 5,800. I think they're just too expensive anyway. So, I don't know. I, I think it's easy to fade because the prices are too high, and then there's the chance that starters get pulled. Uh, they're, they're safer and just better spots on the slate to use. All right, Chiefs at Broncos. The Chiefs don't have anything to play for. They're locked into their playoff spot. They're expected to rest all of their starters. So from the Broncos' side of the game, uh, I think Demarius Thomas makes some sense at wide receiver, just kind of based on volume. He's at 5,500. 
I think Emmanuel Sanders is not expected to play. In the last four weeks for Demarius Thomas, six targets, eight targets, 12 targets, 10 targets. So I think he's fine at 5,500. Uh, I, I think the Broncos' defense is a pretty strong play against the Chiefs' backups, especially because the Broncos do have a decent defense, and they're going to be playing all their starters against Chiefs' backups. Yeah, this could be the best defensive value on the slate. 2,900 for the Broncos' defense is probably too cheap for them against anyone, and they're playing... I mean, it's hard to really figure out what the Chiefs' offense will look like without their starters active, but we can at least assume it's below average, and it could be a lot worse even than that. So, good spot for the Broncos. Defense, I agree with you on Demarius Thomas, too. Without Emmanuel Sanders, more targets for him. Good matchup for him. Uh, C.J. Anderson has been pretty good the last couple weeks, and he's at 6,000. He's gotten a ton of carries, actually, over the last three games. 16 last week, 30 the week before, 22 the week before that. He's been pretty efficient, uh, over five yards per carry in two games in a row. And he actually caught seven passes last week. So I think the the Anderson-Broncos defense correlation could make some sense. Uh, The Broncos, it is a division game. They're not playing to knock the Chiefs out of anything because their playoff spot is locked up. But I think the Broncos still, I don't know. It's it's another team that hasn't had anything to play for in a while. So I don't see any any reason why they would change it up this week. I think, I, I do think that there's a chance that they start Booker at running back just because I kind of think that he's the guy who they want to be their starter next year. And C.J. Anderson's just old and been there for forever. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if they end up starting Booker at running back, especially because there was a point in the season where they were giving Booker more touches than Anderson. Yeah, I guess that's fair too. Well, if Booker starts, then I like him as the running back also. And he actually has gotten 19 carries over the last two games, even in a reserve role. The Broncos are just running the ball a lot, and maybe that increases even more this week because Paxton Lynch is playing quarterback. Uh, I guess that's worth mentioning too, in terms of Demarius Thomas, that could be a bit of a downgrade. Lynch was really awful in the one start he made uh, earlier this season. I I really, I don't know what his actual ability as an NFL prospect is. I thought he was kind of decent, but he, he was awful last game. So maybe having just a more inexperienced quarterback leads them to run the ball more. So I think whoever yeah. starts between Anderson and Booker just is a really strong play, whoever that guy is. For me, it's also just that they're playing against backups. The Chiefs starters aren't playing. So, yeah, Lynch isn't that great, except this kind of is like a preseason-ish type game. So I think that there is opportunity for him to be okay at a really cheap price. And then for Demarius Thomas, just based on volume, since he's been averaging about 10 targets per game over the last four. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think Thomas is usable. I guess if I had to choose, I'd rather roster the Broncos running game than the passing game. All right, so Raiders at Chargers. The Raiders' offense is ridiculously cheap. I don't know that it matters because the Chargers have a pretty good defense. and The Raiders' offense has just been really bad. From the Chargers' side of the game, the Chargers are playing for a playoff spot. So I think Phillip Rivers is in play. I think Keenan Allen's in play. Melvin Gordon is currently questionable. He injured his ankle late in the game last week, and it seems like it could be a relatively serious injury, so he might actually just physically be unable to play. If he isn't able to play, Aaron Eckler has a broken hand, and he is not playing offensive snaps. He's only playing on special teams. So Brandon Oliver could be a really good value play at 4,000, getting all the work in the Chargers offense. Yeah, that's uh, probably the most significant running back situation to monitor. The issue is that game is a late game. So because Gordon and Oliver have such different prices, you can't exactly start Gordon and just pivot to Oliver. That's a pretty tough situation, but 
it's a, it's a strong matchup. Oakland's not terrible against the run. They're 17th. But game flow should favor the running game for San Diego. The, or I, I, I think I've done that like four times already this season. Just forgetting that the Chargers moved. Uh, yeah, it, it, the game flow should favor the Chargers, and that could mean more running plays. But Oliver is the starter at 4,000. Game flow wouldn't even matter. Matchup wouldn't even matter. That's a, that's a pretty crazy price for someone who could just be on the field for every snap. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But that might be the only spot to really look out for this game. Keenan Allen's kind of expensive. I think he's usable, and it is a good matchup. But this could easily be a game that just turns into a blowout, and the Chargers aren't passing really in the second half. Uh, the spread for this game, it's actually only 8. Uh, the over-under opened at 44, went down to 42. Not sure exactly why. Maybe the Raiders' offense just is that bad that it should be a low-scoring game. So I don't know. I think we'll just have to keep an eye on the running back situation. But is Keenan Allen one of the guys that you would look to pay up for? Yeah, definitely. Especially just because Keenan Allen's been so good the second half of the season. So I think the last couple weeks haven't been great production-wise for him, but still it targets the last few weeks. 10, 8, 8, 14, 14, 13. But nobody's getting more volume than him in the entire league. Uh, 93 catches, 1,260 yards on the season. So I think Keenan Allen's a fine target to pay up for just because he's another one of those guys who's expensive. The team's playing for something, so we could expect him to be in for pretty much the entire game. And he's a good player in another favorable matchup. So very few of those guys that we could target this week. Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. Uh, I, I will now be higher on Keenan Allen than I was two minutes ago. Cool. All right, so two <laughs> games left. The San Francisco 49ers at the Rams. The Rams are locked into, well, actually not locked into their playoff spot, but basically locked into the playoff spot. They're going to be either the three or four seed. They say they care more about getting guys rest. So the starters are all expected to sit for this game. They've already ruled out Jared Goff. They've ruled out Todd Gurley. They ruled out Aaron Donald, who football, who pro football focus has ranked as the best player in all football, I think like three years in a row now. So the offense is going to be worse. The defense is going to be a lot worse. The 49ers have been trending way up since they got Jimmy Garoppolo. They've won every game he started. He's been really good. So I think that the 49ers offense makes some sense in this game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, 6,700 is a fine quarterback to pay up for. I think Marquise Goodwin, assuming he plays 6,600, is a fine wide receiver to target. Uh, Carlos Hyde is at... 4900 I'm fine with using him as well and from the four from the Rams side of the game the 49ers still don't have a very good defense so we don't we have no clue who the Rams are going to be using a wide receiver except there could be some really cheap value guys at wide receiver and also Malcolm Brown at 3900 I think is fine to use at running back and then at quarterback, uh, Sean Mannion is 4,500. I think that he's okay to use for really cheap. Well, I think the line movement here is a pretty good indication of what you're talking about in terms of the Rams and being just way worse this week. So the Rams opened as three and a half point favorites at home against the 49ers, which would be a really low line given what these teams have done this year. I think both teams fully healthy. The Rams are probably much bigger favorites than that, maybe a touchdown. But since they officially ruled all their guys out, the line has actually moved another seven points. So the 49ers are three and a half point favorites now. They were three and a half point underdogs before. Uh, kind of ridiculous to see the Niners favored by this much in LA against the Rams, who have been arguably the best team in football this year. 
So, I don't know. It's I would like to say it's a good spot for the 49ers. They are a little pricey, but I think we could be looking at some really undervalued Rams guys. Uh, the total for this game is 43 and a half, 44 in some places. So it shouldn't be that low scoring of a game. And I think it's because of what you said. The, the Rams are bad on defense now because of, well, mostly Aaron Donald, but a bunch of other guys, they'll be resting. The Niners are always bad on defense. Uh, something you've mentioned many times is that they play at one of the fastest paces in the NFL. So could be a high scoring game here. And the Rams players are all really cheap. Uh, we kind of just know nothing about them. But I think I prefer the Rams side of the game just because they cost so much less than the 49ers do. And it should probably be a close game. All right. Last game on the slate, the Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks also playing for a playoff spot. So no interest in the Arizona side for me. From the Seahawks side, I think that Russell Wilson's a fine play. I think Mike Davis is a fine play. I think Doug Baldwin is a fine play. And I think that those are the guys who I'm targeting. And then uh, maybe some Jimmy Graham, who I know you always seem to love Jimmy Graham, Matt. So maybe you'll like to roster Jimmy Graham at 4,800 also. He's a bit of a touchdown-dependent tight end, except obviously has the upside because he isn't all that expensive. And, I mean, 4,800 for him. He definitely could catch the touchdown because he is the most targeted player in the red zone on the Seahawks. Yeah, I think I'm off Jimmy Graham this week, though. He actually, oh. he, I, I didn't have him much last week either. He has two total receiving yards over the past three weeks. Uh, he has two catches for two yards, and he's only gotten six targets. One of those he did turn into a touchdown. It's been a few weeks now since he actually received a lot of targets. There was a point in the season where he, he actually had one game with 11 targets. He was getting eight and then nine and then six. Uh, he was much more involved outside of the red zone earlier, and 4800 is still probably more than he should cost. But this is mostly just that it's not a great matchup. Arizona's defense has been good this year. Uh, they are 10th against the pass and 1st against the run now. I might just be off Seattle because the matchup is difficult. Arizona's defense has been one of the better defenses in football. And the Seahawks aren't really priced down for it. So, I don't know, game flow should favor Mike Davis. But it's the number one run defense in the NFL by DVOA. So, I don't know. I think I'd rather go elsewhere. I think the Seahawks guys are usable, but they're pretty far from my favorite team to target. Yeah. No, I just think that they're I think they're in play. And then also just they have so much to play for that I think this is, you know, it's a game where they're going to have motivation to play and they're going to play their starters. So, I, I think that's just more than we could say for some other teams on the slate. And, and also just that Russell Wilson has been, I would guess, the highest-scoring fantasy quarterback this year. I don't have it in front of me. Except yeah, I think he is. Well, if you are going to roster the Seahawks, I think the combination that makes the most sense is Wilson and Doug Baldwin because the Cardinals are worse against the pass than they are against the run, and Baldwin is obviously Wilson's favorite target, and Wilson at 6,900. Maybe it's a fair price, but they do have that motivational edge. So, I don't know. At the very least, that keeps them... If they get down in the game, they'll be throwing. They probably will just throw more than usual because that's their strength. So I guess that is fair. Uh, And maybe worth mentioning, Larry Fitzgerald had a huge game last week, so he could be worth using at 6,900 if you have some interest in game stacking here. But I'm I'm definitely not going back to Drew Stanton this week. All right, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBirdDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense. We'll be back with a basketball podcast tomorrow.